welcome to the official World Cup Footy Fellas Pod. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate that. <laughs> in a minute. Let's try that again. Welcome to the official Footy Fellas World Cup Review. How are you? <laughs> Is that better? Maybe like two more times. Just <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to blend all three of these on top of each other. Perfect. So it's going to sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks meets Morgan Freeman. Megatron. Can I just be Megatron? Is that allowed? Wait, who was that? Who did that sound exactly like? Megatron. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, Transformers. Yes, yes, dude. <laughs> I see any impressions you want to throw in the mix? Uh, all I've. No, I don't have any. I don't have any good ones right now. <laughs> you can be yourself. That's exactly who we want on the pod. Is Mister Max Winner. How are we doing? How are we doing, guys? Megatron. <laughs> doing good. It's. Uh, I don't know how you felt, I see, but um, uh, I felt empty today. I was watching the Carabao Cup because that's back in action. Because real world's hit. United versus Burnley. Ugh. And leaning over my mom, and I was like, I am so sad. The World Cup is over. So sad. It was. It was. I'm glad that it was happened, and I can look back and smile, but. Oh, I'm I'm sad. I feel empty. I see. I feel empty. Every time I hear Carabao Cup, I will only think of you, Jones, because you are always the first person of every year of every tournament that reminds me this cup exists. (laughs) (laughs) So I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Um, It's been, it has been sad. My work life has improved post World Cup for sure. I didn't get anything done. Uh, for the whole month. So my boss is pretty peeved. But, you know, it is sad. It is sad. I've been just, now I scroll on social media just to see what Argentinians are up to today. Are they still in the streets? Are they still singing and dancing? Uh, and the answer is yes to everything. So, Eli, what about you? That's so real. It makes me want to win something like that so bad. Jones and I were discussing with uh, another guy. Is there any comparison in the US as a nation, what could we win that would elicit that type of response nationally, that type of party and parade and celebrations, and nothing comes remotely close. I, I only think of um, of Independence Day, the movie where the aliens and the world and stuff. Like that's the only that's thing. what it would take is I, a extraterrestrial <laughs> yeah. species invades and we win. Right. <laughs> yeah, and we come out on top. Yeah. Because if we lose, yeah, I don't I don't see us celebrating as nah. much. But so Sport-wise, no. I mean, what's the closest? You know, NBA team or something? Like, there, there's nothing. Well, not NBA, but like, uh, you know, Olympics. But right, it doesn't happen. Olympics. Yeah, I think of um, our USA hockey team, you know, winning, beating Russia back in the day. Maybe that, like, comes closest to, like, could that have rallied the country? Eh, I don't know. Maybe just Minnesotans. <laughs> That's a good submission, though. I'm, I'm with both of you guys. I agree. I feel a little lost. 
I loved waking up in the mornings and just watching World Cup before work, during work, after work. Not really after work, given the timing, but all day. And then you hit the the knockout stages, and even though you're being weaned off the three games a day, the games are so important that you feel that same adrenaline. And we did a pretty good job watching together. We definitely watched all the U.S. games together. We went to a bar for one of them, which was extra exciting. And most of the other games, that's what I'm going to remember from the World Cup, aside from the final, is kind of where I was at in my life and just watching with Jones and talking about it with UIC and all of our other friends. It's what it is. It's a, it's a special, it's a special moment. And this is why you have to do it every four years. And I think that's what also hits a little bit more too. And it goes by so quickly. You, you, you knock it out in pretty much under a month. I want to say it's like roughly about a month or maybe a little under, maybe a little over. And then we have another, you know, a thousand days until it comes back again. Um, and many things change, but the one constant, the one constant in this world is that you guys are around and that Messi has a left foot. That dude, that dude, he, the way the whole thing, you know, you can talk when you talk about this tournament and we reflect on it, I, I'm, I'm glad that we had a great finale and that was exciting, but it still didn't lose the context of the tournament itself. It still will be remembered as a very controversial tournament, I imagine. Mm, because of the Qatar, Qatari backdrop. Yes, yes. Do you think that that's interesting? Ice, do you think the finale especially, but the fact that Argentina won, Messi won, do you think that's overshadowed all the other storylines coming out of Qatar? It definitely takes center stage for now. It's definitely the thing on people's minds, <clears throat> whereas in the beginning of the tournament, it wasn't quite so i don't know if you guys heard the daily the little ny new york times podcast thing they they talked exactly kind of about this and um how even morocco's miraculous run being the first african team to make the semifinal stage really took you know that that they became the focus for a while and and still are you know and for sure across a lot of those countries in that region you know huge deal and uh yeah but back to your question yeah i think that um it's going to take a little bit longer a lot a little bit of simmering down from the sort of storyline miraculous argentinian victory before potentially people come back around to some of the controversial aspects of of this world cup in particular it's a lot of really difficult topics obviously with the migrant workers and other kind of rights infringements, but the one story, at least that was extra shocking in the moment, was Grant Wall passing away pretty suddenly. And Jones and I had just played a pickup soccer game and picked up our phones after the game ended late that night and saw some texts from people saying like, whoa, Grant Wall passed away. It's just very out of nowhere and shocking. It was. That was, um, that was um, you know, Maybe one of the first deaths that I can think of of, of a celebrity of someone um, generally famous that had had me in disbelief because he is he is super um, prevalent and and uh, just generally ubiquitous in the soccer content world. He's a big he's a big Twitter er big tweeter was a big tweeter and. Um, and to hear it, you, you just think that's impossible. I was reading something he wrote 
few minutes ago, hours ago. Um, and there's a lot of controversy around it. It seems like, you know, in the end there, there is no real question of it, that it's, it was natural to a certain extent and, and that there were no, there was no foul play, but, um, but that is the context of the Qatari tournament and that there is so much, um, shady behavior that brought the tournament there. And therefore anything that happens there, unfortunately, um, has, has an air of, uh, questionable reality to it. Um, but, but Grant Wall leaving us was a, was a tough one. On top of that, I think we're, we're still going to hear a, a little bit more about the Grant Wall situation. I know his brother has been on networks really calling for further investigation. He thinks there's foul play. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens. But I know the family is really upset and thinks something is not right. And hopefully people do remember some of the context around this this tournament and it doesn't get completely washed away with just the the finale and just the highlights when people are watching 10 15 years from now the Argentina France final possibly the the greatest game craziest game ever in world cup history cuz that's a part of the story that's a part of what Qatar brought to hosting the world cup all the way from the controversial and now more explicitly illegal cheated bid that they paid for and then the, the whole FIFA story has come out all the way through how it actually went and you know lots of people that lost their lives building part of these stadiums and everything else going on in Qatar alongside some great very exciting soccer so a lot, lot to unpack there it's also a lot of games to unpack a lot of action and that's what we're going to do our best on us three fools and hooligans watch so much soccer over the last month or so We want to hit you with kind of what you should remember, what you should take away from the soccer action. We're going to walk through each group, quickly talk about each group stage, how it played out, any surprises, favorites that won, teams that dominated. Then we're going to dive into the U.S. performance, talk specifically about our country. Are we happy with how they finished? Are we happy with how they played? Decisions that Burhalter made. Talk about some knockout games as we got further in the tournament and Finish with, obviously, the finale. Yes, Messi is the GOAT, or is he? We're going to get into that. And our starting 11 of the tournament with a special a special twist. So there's a lot there. We're going to try to keep it concise. That's at least what we've told ourselves. We'll see. We'll see how quickly we can get through this. But a lot of interesting stuff and hopefully a nice way for you, the listener, to recap and solidify some takeaways from this 2022 World Cup. Shall we? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Group A. We're going to go alphabetically because we're, we're kind of freaky like that. Want to go, Jones? You got it up? <laughs> Group A. How we how we finish? Group A was, uh, was Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, Qatar. I think this one <clears throat> had a lot of focus um, primarily on Qatar being the host nation and a lot of questions about how not really how good were they going to be, but but just how bad would they be? And it turns out that they were 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 god awful. Um, I think they they held a couple, they broke a couple records as first nation to host with a team who did not win a game, I believe. Um, and uh, and they looked they looked just generally as as bad as as you could imagine. Um, the Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands, which was essentially the the remainder of the group. 
it was pretty much accepted that Netherlands was going to, was going to run through it. Um, but Senegal and Ecuador both put up a good, a good battle. Um, ultimately, I don't think there were any big surprises in this. Yeah, I think you, you spot on. My only thing I would add is that Senegal surprised me without their superstar, Sadio Mane, still performing pretty high, pretty high level. They had to win against Ecuador in that last game three. Um, Sadio would have been a huge boost to that team. That would have been huge in the next round. I was sad after seeing how well Senegal played that they didn't have Mane. I see, I agree with you. And the, the final game between... Uh, between Ecuador and, and Senegal was pretty exciting. That was for who would go through second in the group. And Ecuador just needed a, a tie. They were down 1-0, tied it up, Caicedo 1-1, and then Senegal scored Koulibaly on a, a header soon after that to send them through. So Netherlands came in first, Senegal in second, Ecuador and Qatar in third and fourth missed out on the knockout stage. Group B, Icy, you want to take us through our, our home group? <laughs> Sure, the big group. Um, this is the group of England, United States, Iran, and Wales. Uh, in that order is how they finished, first to fourth. Um, you know, big important group for us uh, Americans here. Big fans of the team. Watched every game pretty closely that the U.S. played in. Um, you know, I think it actually shaped out to be how many anticipated with England claiming that first spot, U.S. getting their way in, uh, foot in the door, get that second spot. Um, it was a bit closer than I think many fans of us, I would say included, wanted it to be. You know, that Wales game, our first game of the tournament, to give up that penalty with less than 10 minutes or so left in the game was pretty brutal. Um so to get that tie against Wales made things much difficult, much more difficult for us. We did get a tie against England, a little 0-0 draw, uh, which, you know, <laughs> to the non-soccer fans, might have been a bit boring. I found I found it exciting uh, at certain parts, but definitely could have could have escaped with a win there. Would have been nice. Uh, so it left that final game against Iran, uh, a nail biter, exciting. We had to win, and pelvic contusion, Pulisic. Got it done. <laughs> Good teaser there. We're going to get more into the U.S. performance specifically once we run through these groups. Group C? Group C had our eventual champion that um, that many many called and not, not everybody uh, believed. Um, Argentina, Poland, Mexico, <clears throat> and Saudi Arabia. Excuse me. Um, You're really pulling for Saudi Arabia, so you're <coughs> a bit choked up. I'm after a little verklempt after, after reading that one. Um, I think the, this group also, I think finished fairly intuitively. Um, a lot of people had question marks, question marks around Mexico, uh, and what team would show up clearly, um, the one that barely made it through qualifiers, um, uh, did Argentina started the tournament losing against Saudi Arabia. That was a big question mark on, on whether they would actually, um, have any impact in this tournament? Would they crash out of the group stage? Um, they came back in their second match, taking down Mexico. It was a great wake up. I think it was actually the highest attended match of the tournament. Fun fact. Mm. And then, um, and then they finished off. Um, they finished off Poland to uh, to solidify their pass to the next round. Mexico is going through a real dry spell. 
for, for them. Not that they've won the World Cup in the past and they've fallen so far from from the, the mountaintop, but obviously against the U.S., historically, they dominated this matchup and they've struggled against the U.S. in recent tournaments in the Gold Cup and Nations League. Now they struggled in the World Cup. I'm sure Mexican fans are a bit frustrated and also curious and questioning what the future holds. So it's a tough result to, to come in third in that group and not even advance to the round of 16. Yeah, super tough for them. Two things, both Messi related. Messi, I think, scored his goal of the tournament against Mexico to make it 1-0 in the 63rd minute. Beautiful, extremely difficult. He only put it in the spot it had to go in. And also, Argentina-Poland in Game 3, if Messi would have finished his PK. Now, yes, you can say it would have changed the dynamic, blah, blah, blah. If he had scored his PK, everything else stayed the same. Mexico would have advanced. You got to feel for Mexico not getting that goal. Wow, great call. These these World Cup group stage finishes so often come down to goal difference, and you can point to one or two moments that really could have shifted the, the tides for an entire country. All of a sudden, Mexico's in the, in the round of 16, like you're saying, and people are celebrating. So great, great call out there, Ice. Group D. All right, Group D. <clears throat> this is France, Australia, Tunisia, Denmark. You know, I, I think it finished. Okay, France winning the group. I think many people saw that, and it happened. Um, Australia, for me, is always a wild card. I didn't know what to expect with Tunisia, Denmark. I think people were saying Denmark might be a dark horse this tournament. Uh, they really faltered and skidded and into fourth place in that group. Maybe a wake-up call for them and their fans and the team. Uh, but but guys, anything to add? I, you know, Australia getting that second spot did that did that surprise you? Definitely surprising over Denmark, but watching them play, they just seemed like a really cohesive unit. They didn't have too many big name players. Now that they've lost the maestro Tim Cahill, who everyone remembers scoring a beautiful bicycle kick in the last World Cup, some sort of scissor sidekick for Australia that I, I remember fondly. Uh, they, you know, no no one expected much from them. And they got the job done. Two one nil shutout wins, which is plenty to go through in a in a World Cup group stage. There was also the final game. It, it, the The result meant nothing technically um, uh, on paper, but I think emotionally meant a lot to the country of Tunisia, winning over France. Um, the 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 fans were going nuts um, at that game. I think they partially thought that the team was qualifying, um, but and end of the day, knowing Tunisia and France have a colonial history, shared history, it meant a lot to the country to uh, overcome a team that has a couple players from um, Tunisia um, heritage. Group E, this may have been the craziest finish. There were a couple of groups that had stuff, different potential outcomes happening on the last day, but these last couple games were crazy in Group E. Group E, as a reminder, finished Japan first, then Spain, Germany, Costa Rica. And I think uh, everybody and their mother had Spain and Germany finishing top two. And if you didn't, you likely had Japan sneaking in there, except for Eli, who's looking at me. He said he just had Costa Rica. You didn't even have a you didn't have a team other than Costa Rica qualifying. I knew what was going to happen. My mom's bracket was horrible. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, okay, good. I fit into your your narrative, but not my mother. Okay, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, uh, whether Tamra put this in her bracket or not, uh, I don't think she could have predicted just how exciting it would, would end up being. 
Japan started off the the group um, extra frisky with a 2-1 win over Germany, and that kind of set the tone for what to expect from this Japanese side who sat back, countered, and against teams who like to possess, like Germany and Spain, that turned out to be highly effective. Um, Spain, convert, uh, in addition to that, um, also looked like a early favorite. Um, if you'll remember, they blew out Costa Rica in the first game. Um, and people had forgotten how just clinical or, in other words, dominant they could be possession-wise. Um, nonetheless, that possession would uh, end up being impotent without any actual clinical finishing in the end. The group ended with J- Japan and Spain qualifying and Germany crashing out in a second World Cup in a row, not making it past the group stage. Yeah, to add on, this is my... Easily the most exciting, most fun group. It was the, probably, you could argue, the group of death as a, you know one group every year gets kind of dubbed that. Um, Spain and Germany, heavyweights. Japan always uh, you know is a quality team that can, that can do something. And they did this tournament. Um, this is going to be the infamous you know, game threes where you had Japan playing Spain, Germany playing Costa Rica, and everything was flipping back and forth. But Japan had this... It's one of the pictures of the tournament, uh, you know, end line there and the scoring chance and they save the ball and the ball is barely over the line. Like it's this whole thing, saves it, gets the cross in, they score, they go up two one or, you know, they end up beating uh, who they, Spain in kind of remarkable fashion and it basically ends Germany's chances at, at advancing um, and that. It was just very exciting, very cool. So for Japan to lose against Costa Rica was surprising. They really could have made it easier on themselves. Kudos to Costa Rica for bouncing back from a 7-0 shellacking against Spain to beat Japan. If anything, that moment in the Japan-Spain game where VAR zoomed all the way in and you could just see that tiny little piece of the ball staying in the inline, that was the highlight of the tournament for VAR. Just shows how good the technology has gotten. You know, the person that built that that camera, the setup all around the stadiums, kudos to them. That was their moment to shine, to show, look, this is where technology's at in 2022. I believe her name is Miriam Var. Miriam Var. Yeah. Shout out to Miriam Var if you're listening, Miriam. <laughs> I remember watching, quick tidbit, I remember watching Japan play the U.S. in that friendly before the World Cup started when Japan won 2-0, I think, and I couldn't tell whether the U.S. was just woefully underprepared and was going to get destroyed in the World Cup or Japan was very strong or at least pretty strong, and they were pretty strong. Yep. It was a good example of their cohesive pressing, mm-hmm. and that's what they, they brought to Spain and Germany. All right, Group F, keep rolling. Group F, all right, this group had, uh, from top to bottom, had Morocco finishing first, then Croatia, Belgium, Canada. Biggest surprise for me as a... CONCACAF, you know, participant with the United States. Canada not winning a single game, zero points, was surprising. Canada is a quality team, really did not show up for this World Cup. Disappointing for them. As as someone who generally cheers for CONCACAF teams because I want our region to be more respected, pretty sad and disappointing. You can also talk about Belgium, the golden era, the golden boys, whatever they call them. They did not advance to the group stage. Really brutal for them. They've got some worldly talent. Bad. Now you've got Morocco, which arguably was the 
history setting biggest team one of the most cheered for teams in this tournament we'll get to that later but they finishing top of the group huge results for them um they were a very fun team in croatia with luka modric at 37 years old get the job done uh, in second place a uh, fun group well said i see group g jones group g um may have been uh was it predictable maybe not uh Group G finished Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon, Serbia. Uh, Brazil, I, I think it gets lost um, because they didn't really uh, finish the tournament on the high that was expected. But um, as the favorite, Brazil had a ton of weight on their shoulders and um, and they performed. I think they they gave us a style that we haven't seen in a, in a from a Brazilian team in a little while. Um, ton of offensive talent, um, midfield talent, and then defensive talent. They were a top to bottom, very well-rounded team um, with what I thought was the goal of the tournament with Richarlison's, you know, self-made bicycle kick. Um, uh, and they tee themselves up for a, a great run into the, into the knockout stages. Switzerland uh, also showed their dominance. Switzerland always team, seems to just truck their way through most tournaments. They made it to the semis, I think, of the Euros um, two years ago. I think something that can't be lost is um, is the fun story of Cameroon's Vincent Abubakar when he scored in the 90-plus-2 minute against Brazil to, to give Cameroon a famous win um, and also uh, celebrated by taking a shirt off and receiving a, a red card from our, our boy, Elf, uh, Ishmael Alfaf. Um, Let's go. Shout out to episode... 30 something. something 50 i don't know a while ago uh but a fun a fun result that was a great moment funny f- fun and funny to look back on considering they didn't then draw the game if they gave up a goal he kind of looks like a a doofus but <laughs> ended up winning so that was exciting for them a lot of people including myself thought serbia would put on a stronger showing because they have a lot of even if especially if you don't follow footy that closely you don't realize how many top level guys they have playing in major leagues around the world and their front three of uh mitrovic up top who plays for fulham and he scored at least a couple goals a couple headers i can remember tadic who played pretty well i saw on some people's list for the tournament even though they didn't go far he was a standout for them and milinkovic savic well known their defense just let them down they gave up two goals against brazil sure they lost against brazil Three goals to Cameroon. You can't tie Cameroon 3-3 and expect to go through. And then they gave up three goals to Switzerland. So their defense definitely let Serbia down. The final group, we had CR7. Uh, Ronaldo, uh, how this group finished was Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay, Ghana. This was a fun group uh, as well as some of the others we've talked about because it came down to game three, which are always the most exciting. Portugal coming into game three had already wrapped up the group. They are coming off two wins undefeated. Um, They had enough points to advance already. Uh, They were playing South Korea. Uruguay was playing Ghana. How many people thought it would pan out was Portugal would beat South Korea. Uruguay would beat Ghana. Thus, Uruguay advancing South Korea. And Youngman's son had different ideas to the despair of all Uruguayans across the world. And end up beating Portugal two to one uh, in, in very shocking late game fashion. And Uruguay was comfortably beating Ghana, I believe. And they actually needed one more goal 
And so once everyone realized and the, and the, and the players knew this, it was kind of this mad scramble, uh, but they could not get the job done. They could not put another in the back of the net and they miss advancing on goal differential. Very exciting. South Korea fans. It was pretty emotional. I have to say I did watch the game. It really was. were tears almost in my eyes. Yes, because the entire South Korea fan section was bawling their eyes out. It was it was pretty awesome to see. Awesome moment for South Korea and Sun. He he's the face of the team. Uh, Huang Hee Chan put in that final goal, but it was Sun's work in the build up play to to get them to that spot and the the burden he carries of a country that loves the game and he is obviously their most well known player was was special to see what it what it meant to him as well. Let's get into the knockout round. We'll start with the U.S.-Netherlands game, and we'll spend some time just talking about the U.S.'s World Cup performance overall afterwards before we touch on maybe just a couple of other knockout games. But the U.S., they lost 3-1 to one to the Netherlands, and it was never really close. The Netherlands just took advantage of their opportunities early. They scored on a couple of good chances they had in the first half. That was pretty deflating. Uh, Daily Blinds goal right at the end of the first half to go into half 2-0 down was just a bummer. And the U.S. got some late life from Haji Wright on a probably accidental finish that ended up working out. So at least they got on the board. We didn't get shut out, but we didn't really have a chance. So we can we can talk about specific games. Overall, how do you both feel about the U.S.'s performance and that ultimate result? We made it to the knockout stage. We got out of the group but we lost three to one to the Netherlands. Um, my, my quick take on the U S was um, I think the standard, I think our, our, the collective standard was the U S has to make it to the knockout round, make it out of the group stage. And this will be considered uh, passing, passing the test, I suppose. Um, and not feeling the ire of, of our nation. Um, that said, uh, I think it's, I think the team that we have, and I've said this to you guys a couple times, but the team that we have is is playing is playing at its like its floor level. It's relying on the talent that it has, and that's about it. Whereas the Canadian team, for example, which you had spoke about earlier, I see, is playing above their talent level, and that is directly correlated to their coaching. And if this U.S. team is going to do as good as it can be, or it can't do as well, do as well as it could, good, good. Be the best that it can do to be. To be good as the well it wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> it requires an actual coach, and I don't think Berhalter's that man. And so the thing that I think about with this result and how they performed, they did a pretty solid job throughout the tournament. They were solid. There were some key players who did well. There was some drama internally between Burhalter and Gio Reyna. There was uh, questions about who was going to be a striker for this team and did we have one who showed up? Doesn't really feel like it. Um, end of the day, the team performed decently. I worry that if we keep things as they are right now, four years from now, we will be disappointed. And disappointment then might be uh, graded against uh, making it to the quarterfinals because we should have a team that is at its peak. We should have a Belgium's golden era, but for the U.S. men's national level. 
So it was good. We did a good job, but we have some areas that we need to work on coming out of the tournament. That's for sure. Totally agree. Um, I think just to piggyback, it's unfortunate. Happy that we made it out of the group stage. I think it means that Burhalter keeps his job, which is uh, unfortunate, like you had said. Um, hopefully, you know, they'll they'll change things around. But I don't know. The, the whole soccer media paints him as kind of this great coach and everyone meshes well and all this stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully things change, like you said. I thought in the game against Netherlands, we looked strong. We actually had a decent amount of possession, moving the ball around. Netherlands, I think, wanted to have less possession, at least in that early in those early moments of the game. And we were doing a fine job. There was that Pulisic moment where it looked like he half-heartedly tried to take this shot on goal. And everyone I was with was like, what just happened? Did he think he was offside? That, to me, that moment of the game, I knew we were going to lose. And it was because why did he – it was just this mentality thing. It's like, why aren't you giving it 110% all the time? You you kind of stopped, wavered, didn't, didn't do what you needed to do in that moment. At that point, I felt like the energy was taken away from our team. Dumfries destroyed our right side, had two assists and a goal. Um, you know, to, to let a player like that do get those numbers against you – is, is brutal. I, I blame Burhalter. Um, but overall, I was very impressed with Serginio Dest. I never really watched him play ever. Um, very quick feet. Very good. Very talented. I did also like um, the Fulham guy. I think he's Fulham. Robinson a lot. And Tyler Adams is just an animal. Um, so uh, very impressed with those players. I thought their strongest tactical performance was definitely against England, where it was a 0-0 draw. You said earlier, I see not the most exciting game to the casual fan, but they sort of dominated that game. They might not have even had the best chances, honestly. England had one or two chances at the end where they could have just scored and we lose 1-0 and it's just a sad day and we probably don't go through. Um, But the way they were set up, they actually countered well. They actually defended well, a lot because of just how good their midfield was. Tyler Adams, like you said, Probably the best player. We can talk about each of our MVPs for the U.S. Mine might be Tyler Adams. Sneak peek. Uh, a little <laughs> opening the lid before it before it pops. Tyler Adams. But him, Musa, Weston McKinney, who didn't even play that much, possibly due to injury. But just Tyler Adams and Musa alone in the midfield fill me with hope. And they fill me with excitement for how this team can build around them. A team that has to figure out where Brendan Aronson goes, he's got to play. He's got to play more than coming off the bench. I think some of the commentators talk about how Burhalter was excited to use him as a super sub, as a jolt off the bench, which I get. You want to bring on, it's like six man in basketball. You want to bring on someone that you think could be a strong scorer and kind of lead that second group, which I guess in soccer terms is just guys with tired legs. We got to figure out how to fit Brendan Aronson into the starting squad. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense Weah played well, so I don't know if you take out Weah. Obviously, got to have Pulisic in there, and he scored a, a big goal when the U.S. needed it most. But maybe it's a coaching change, and it's definitely figuring out how do we get our best players on the field in positions where they're going to succeed. Absolutely, and we'll just we'll just add this in just because I know Jones is just on top tip of his tongue. 
Pulisic cannot take set pieces for this team. <laughs> yes. He preach. cannot and should not. And someone from the top, Berhalter, needs to stop him from doing this. It's He had one game where he put in decent crosses, and I think it might have been against the Netherlands. They were decent. Uh, we didn't score off of them. Um, he needs to stop, and the team needs to stop letting him doing that. I could have sworn, if you look up like uh, most set pieces, corners, just yeah, just general set pieces. The U.S. was was out of the first round of the knockout stage. I think they were top in the in the entire tournament. Um, and uh, and whenever you looked at other goals that were scored off set pieces, be it you know Netherlands famous goal against Argentina in like the 90th whatever minute, or uh, I think Japan or South Korea also had a similar like triangle pass routine that then led into a cross that they scored off of um the fact that the u.s had no just absolutely no use of the set piece is just another example of how poorly coached this team and i'm going to keep beating that drum but you have a, a team from a nation that has american football which is nothing but plays if anything if you add more American analytics to the game of soccer, what is going to happen? It's going to be more, how do we take advantage of these set pieces and plays and and draw things up so that we can execute them? Because clearly the first variable you need to change is Pulisic. That was egregious. That was an affront on all of our senses, but at least we're learning. At least we're acknowledging it. And maybe who knows, maybe. And the thing that gets me excited about this U S team is that four years from now, I, I really do think there's going to be at least two more players who pop up that are exciting prospects. And maybe one of them's a, a, a virtuoso, someone who can swing in a good ball. Or a striker. We'd take a striker. We're not, we're not striker. picky. We'd take a world-class top three in the world striker from who's 15 <laughs> right now. Someone who defects from Norway. Could be just an idea. American or <laughs> No, there was some better pun with Erling Holland. I missed it. Erling, just like we missed American, striker. yeah, American Holland, <laughs> you know, U.S. Holland. That, yep, there we go. Just well, the I U.S. We lost, Holland, so yeah, <laughs> we didn't pretty bad. MVPs, quick round MVPs. Mine is gonna be Tyler Adams. I see from the U.S. team. Yeah, U.S. MVP for the tournament. <clears throat> I think I think it does rightly go to Tyler Adams again. I was very impressed by Sir Sir Genio Dest, so I give him a shout out. But Tyler Adams for sure. Yeah, Tyler Adams on top of you know the on the field play, the off the field, his response to the Iranian um, journalist who had asked him about race in America, and he handled it with a ton of class and um, um, composure for uh, a young a young player as he is. Um, so clearly, uh, U.S.'s leader, and I'm um, excited to have him around for hopefully another decade. Surprising player of the tournament, Tim Ream. Tim Ream was very solid, and he's the oldest guy in this group by far. Another another Fulham Fulham defender alongside Anthony Robinson. Maybe maybe not as surprising, perhaps, but Matt Turner, I, I really thought was um, was just as good as as we were kind of hoping he would be. Um, there were a lot of question marks coming into this tournament. Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, um, Ethan Horvath, you know, what is kind of going to happen. And, and Zach Steffen didn't even make the, the, the trip 
Instead, you had Matt Turner back there, and I thought his ball handling was great. I thought um, he made some important saves. I feel like he had a really important one um, in the group stage that, um, or maybe it was just against Holland. He had made some pretty pretty big saves to keep us in the game. Regardless, you know he's twenty seven. I want to say twenty eight. So he'll still be around four years from now. That's if Gaga Solina, Slolina from the Chicago Fire doesn't take his spot. That's real. That's real. Look into him. Uh, just going to say that you guys definitely watch or had watched more qualifying matches and stuff of this team and knew their players a bit better than, than myself. Uh, Musa, I thought, was uh, my my shout-out surprise. He's got all the right pieces except for some some world-class finishing, but he's got he's got the making. We've got two workhorses in the middle who are also technically skilled enough probably Musa offensively more so than Tyler Adams just has the tools there to to flow but there was an article about how the ideal midfielder has changed one that referenced uh, Modric potentially retiring from international football or maybe he has already and just talked about how you see less of these crafty brilliant um, you know beautiful passing beautiful shooting, but are not as physical guys in the game anymore. And so the U.S. are are sort of built for the future of where that position is going. Guys like Enzo Fernandez, they mentioned on Argentina. Mm. Um, you know, any solid midfielder who's an absolute workhorse, McAllister. but is also strong technically, that's, yeah, the McAllister, that's who you want on your team. And the U.S. has two in Musa and Adam. So that's such a good foundation to build around for 2026. Absolutely. And and I do think McKinney the 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 piece that was left out of here is um, uh, that we just we haven't really addressed because it was just so in our faces the fact that this tournament was had in the middle of freaking winter and in the middle of the season where a lot of people were harboring injuries um, I do think McKinney uh, got the short end of the stick and looked kind of like a liability at times just because he was nursing um, what seemed to be like a thigh hamstring situation. Um, and give me a fully healthy McKinney, um, in conjunction with, um, you know, Musa and Tyler Adams four years down the line. That's a really, really good midfield. Very That's exciting. Unstoppable baby. That's the hope. This result made me want at least, at least a round of eight round of eight appearance in the next world cup, which is not saying anything crazy, but on home soil, fans are going to be going nuts. Mm-hmm. We'll probably be in Kansas City or Seattle or New Jersey or Mexico or Canada. That's where you'll find us watching one of the U.S. games in a in a dream scenario. And they better they better go far because now now the the nation is starting to pick up soccer in a way it never has before at, at a good time for this golden generation. Yeehaw! That's all <laughs> Jones will say about that. Yeehaw! <laughs> We're going to skip the rest of round of 16 games. They were mostly blowouts by the stronger team. So Argentina beat Australia 2-1 to one with a, a late Australia goal coming as, as consolation. Pretty nice goal, actually, so you can check that one out. France beat Poland 3-1. to one. England beat Senegal 3-0. Japan lost to Croatia in penalties. That was a, a tough one for them. One of the five penalty kick shootouts in this tournament, which was a record for the World Cup. So we might get into a little bit of penalties later with the finale ending in penalties, obviously. Brazil beat South Korea 4-1. to Their strength just took down South Korea's 
hope and and the nation rooting for them just not not enough to take down a country like brazil and morocco beat spain in penalties three to nil in penalties buno or bono have you pronounced the moroccan keeper's name came up huge that was pretty exciting that was just part of morocco's dream run and they they weren't done yet and lastly portugal beat switzerland six to one minus cr7 his replacement uh goncalo ramos gonzalo ramos Either way, regardless, I'm saying his name wrong, but it doesn't matter because he scored a hat-trick starting instead of Cristiano Ronaldo. So pretty impressive from Portugal. Let's get into the quarterfinals. This is when things started to get spicy. We could just talk, you know, 15, 20 seconds about these games. So we continued the journey on our way to that crazy finale. And first game, Croatia-Brazil. This was a nil-nil game into extra time where... Brazil scored the goal they thought would put them through and put them into the semifinals of this tournament, that Neymar goal. Do you both remember that that touch of stroke of genius there from Neymar and a little give and go? That was a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was um I think it was remembered or it had its billing as being one of those iconic moments that would go down as um the one of the the key steps that brazil took in order to win the the world cup um and uh something happened strategically i i I do think something went wrong with how they approached the end there's a there's always this this questioning of do you just sit back and invite pressure or do you at least continue to, to put pressure on the opponent in brazil they just left their defense open and Croatia countered and scored in the, you know, the back half of the second overtime um, with a surprise counter goal, which then forced them into PKs and Croatia came out on top. Brazil uh, was a little too confident. Another iconic moment is Neymar not taking a single PK because he decided to wait for the glory, um, taking it fifth as opposed to going first, which is usually where you want your your best PK taker. So Brazil kind of crashed out in the quarterfinals. Such a weird tactical decision. It might have been off a corner. I think it was a counter off a corner when they just sent too many guys forward and they got caught. They got outnumbered at the back, which is so weird. Up one nil in the hundred and fifteenth minute of a World Cup quarterfinal. So, yeah, the, the tough, tough one for them and their fans to swallow. Yeah, it's a common theme at the uh, kind of this World Cup teams closing out games like they should uh, was kind of a theme. Uh, theme in this next match we'll talk about uh, with Ar- Argentina versus Netherlands, of which Argentina was up two to zero come minute 80, 79, late in the game. Um, at this stage, Argentina looked handedly in control. Netherlands had made some subs. Weghorst was a sub that came in who ended up um, getting this a beautiful header off across uh, from the right side, redirecting it bottom bottom far post against Emmy Martinez. A really nice goal that really uh, uplifted this team to then score this miraculous Comares rolls it in! It's a goal! The Dutch have scored! Can you believe it? 111th minute. Like, we didn't even get into extra time at this point, but there was this insane amount of stoppage time that 
many, many Argentinians feel that it should not have happened. Um, and a beautiful free kick Jones attack that we kind of mentioned earlier that um, Netherlands drew up and they, they scored this crazy goal. It goes 2-2 overtime and then PKs, which Argentina found themselves coming out on top of, but a wild game. And, and viewers of this tournament had no idea what they were in for uh, in later games of the tournament, but uh, this was just a, a taste of what was to come. Everyone in our text threads was commenting, why did they not start Weghorst? This this beast of a man who just scored two incredible goals for the Netherlands. Why were they not directly attacking the Argentinian back line with this guy who's much taller than an Otamendi? You know, why, why bring him on that late? So he scored twice. He, he did his job and more, but it just wasn't enough for the Netherlands, even though they, they made Argentina sweat. The third game of the quarterfinals was the Portugal-Morocco matchup, which uh, I don't think teams really believed in this Morocco team just yet. Uh, Morocco had had uh, skidded past Spain on PKs after um, giving up, I, I think it was like close to 80% possession to, to Spain in that game. So uh, we expected similar Morocco sitting back, Portugal pressing, um, and that's to an extent what happened. Morocco had a counterattack goal uh, from uh, Inesiri, in, in who um, I believe jumped over the Statue of Liberty in order to, to header that, that goal home. They use it here, they do. They need a good ball from the left back. Tia Allah, and how about that? Inesiri for Morocco. The Moroccan dream is very much alive. I remember Eli, I think we were watching together, I want to say, and Eli jumped out of his seat, almost the same level, same height in disbelief, but just the the bounce that that man had. I'm glad that some depiction online, whichever social media account posted the photo or the stat, proved I was not going crazy. Because I, in the moment, I freaked out, like Jones said, and said, that is the highest I've ever seen someone jump in my life. NBA players included. That's the <laughs> highest I've ever seen someone jump. And then I saw a picture online circulating of Nasiri next to Ronaldo of his infamous jump when he also got all the way up and the Moroccan man was taller. Wow. So I'm happy someone validated my exclamation. And that was the beginning of, uh, of the Morocco belief story that then uh, that moved, moved them on to the semifinals. Last quarterfinal, two absolute heavyweights, England and France, France ended up winning two to one, and Giroud scored one of his one of his well, I won't say many many. He didn't win the Golden Boot, but he scored I think four goals for France. He's been once more, hooks it in. Giroud scores. France retake the lead. He filled in pretty well for Kareem Benzema, at least until the finals when maybe they missed that that extra touch of quality what Benzema brings versus what Giroud brings, but. He did score the winning goal. A Harry Kane penalty was not enough. We needed two Harry Kane penalties for England to at least draw. So we, we have one British friend in our, our friend group here. That was a tough one to see Harry Kane sky a penalty like that. You heard the collective nation of England not only draw its breath, but then release it with a string of, of, of obscenities because that is, a, that is a tough one for England. Yeah, real tough. And, and you feel for him because... They, they did what they wanted to do, right? The, the whole, the main focus going into that game was Mbappe. How do you stop Mbappe? He'd been tearing teams up. 
and you had Kyle Walker on him who who really did a good job um in in and I think I think there was also uh perhaps Declan Rice sliding over to to kind of to kind of do two two defenders on one but they did what they wanted to do did not get the result this may seem counterintuitive, but the semifinal games were pretty much blowouts. So I'm just going to read off the score lines, and we're going to spend more time on the final and on our starting 11 for the tournament because that's that'll be fun to get to. Semifinals, Argentina 3, Croatia 0. They really looked like the best team in the tournament. Other semifinal, France 2, Morocco 0. So two shutouts, France and Argentina pretty much just cemented themselves as the obviously best two teams in the world right now and rightfully so they met for probably the best final best game ever world world cup or not so let's let's dig into the final what were what was your your range of emotions how do you remember experiencing that game so going into the game i was worried it would be a classic boring kind of cagey affair no real not not a lot of shots a lot of defense um but argentina stepping up and scoring a, a, a relatively quick goal. I have the hiccups. <laughs> I'm going to pass it to someone else while I struggle through this. Yeah. So this game was uh, amazing. I was very stoked for it. I, I was, I wouldn't know if I would call myself on the Messi train, but I definitely wanted Messi to close out his world cup career with this big win. I was all for Argentina. I had the Jersey on. Um, I watched by myself with, with my wife because I didn't want to be around other people uh, distracting me. Um, as I focused uh, on the game, great call by the coach Scaloni, Scaloni to start Di Maria, who had missed the previous two matches. Uh, I don't even he didn't even come on as a sub in those matches. Uh, Di Maria was was great, um, very quick. He had the spark uh, and the the skill needed for for them. He drew the first penalty, which Messi put a buried put away. And then Di Maria buried arguably one of the goals of the tournament, this this fast break that just caught the French defense off guard and uh, way out of position and beautiful, beautiful string of passes to get that goal. Um, you really thought Argentina was going to run away with it because the French team looked terrible the first half. Yep. It wasn't so much that Argentina looked incredibly strong. The French team didn't even come to play. Um and uh, credit to to Deschamps, yeah, Didier, uh, their coach, their their manager, who made quick subs. I mean, he took out Dembele and Giroud first half. They weren't injured. He was like, we need we need something else. Um, they still finished that half very poor, but coming into the second half, things were different. I I wonder if Scaloni maybe had said, think more defensively, Argentina, because we're up two zero. Don't blow it, which I feared. Then led to an amazing comeback by um, France. That second goal by Mbappe. It, look, it, it that should have been the goal of the tournament. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the Richarlison goal was sick, but Mbappe now he'll steer it back inside. Tarab Mbappe. That side. How do you? He did it first time. It was sick. That's unreal. Um, so. I'll stop talking about that. So that's the first 90 minutes. Then there was overtime, but it was, it was a crazy game. Wild game. I loved it. You flipped the switch from Killian Mbappé where to Killian <laughs> Mbappé. I'm the freaking man in here. like, I'm, I'm over here. 
look, you, if you miss me, you done missed, you done messed up because I'm here in like the 70th minute. He barely touched the ball. He just, Argentina's game plan, they brought an extra defender. They would bring the double and kind of just shut off his dribbling lane. He even, even got past them a couple times, but they had extra help defense and they were marking pretty well around the box. Something changed. Like you said, Ice, their, their strategy, they went too defensive. Mbappe with his pace will just burn you over the top on the second goal. It was a little give and go. And he, all of a sudden he's in behind and the first was just a, a bad penalty to give up, but he, he buried that as well. So it, it got real exciting late in that second half. And, um, and it made you wonder if Argentina was going to stay in the mix. I think it's, it's one thing to, uh, it's one thing to, um, take the lead and the confidence it takes to really grab a world cup final uh by the scruff like they did it's another to watch that that lead fall away because they had it they had the 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 world cup in their hands and in a matter of like uh literally two minutes two Two, minutes two minutes of game time they lost they lost their their secured um uh trophy um and before you knew it uh we were heading into overtime again before my hiccups i was expecting overtime to be cagey and like, like I thought the game would be, I didn't think it would be anything exciting. And I, and I, and I was wrong again <laughs> because overtime resulted in some more goals. Um, the first was a, who scored first? Messi. Messi. Our boy Messi did. That, that was the one where it was kind of like a fluke kick, like cross shank came down, but whoever the Argentinian guy settled it beautifully. Martinez. I don't know who it was. Settled it right to to Messi, who one-touched it through, or some sort of sequence like that, settled it down, a couple pass, quick passes, through ball, you sent um, you sent Latura Martinez to then take the shot, Messi had the rebound, with his right foot, not left foot, uh, did get in, uh, which was, I was I was going bonkers, Maddie had just stepped away into the bathroom, she's like, you know, probably so sad, she missed the sick goal, <laughs> but I was going crazy. I was right there with you, freaking out, and and Mara said she's never seen me get that animated <laughs> watching a sports game. But I was I was losing it because I I too wanted wanted Messi to get that get that World Cup. And we thought he was offside. We were we were texting. We thought he was offside immediately. Not Messi, but um, Martinez, who took that initial shot, which led to the deflection. He really looked offsides, and then whichever French defender that was just had a, a nice enough butt. Big old juicy butt on Varane, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, kept him on side. Juicy. But as 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 uh, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And, and Argentina, who had as many PKs awarded for them, also had it uh, then awarded against them when, um, when Moani was taken down in the box and Mbappe stepped up to take his second PK of the game against Emmy Martinez, who... Uh, had been a, just a, an actual wall, a wall of mind games, a, a wacky carnival mirror wall. <laughs> and uh, Mbappe stepped up and scored. And like that, it was 3-3 heading into PKs. Um, I, I do want to note, it potentially would have ended. It potentially would have been game over had Moani or Taram had that volley and the dying embers of the game. launches it low, one-on-one with Emmy Martinez and Emmy sticks out his leg and saves um, and potentially uh, rewrites the entire history and outcome of this tournament um, on that one small fine marginal play. It's insane to think that that was a play in the 123rd minute of that game. 
that Otamendi, who was strong, he would he would be so strong for the first 80 minutes of games, and then he was a complete liability. He gave up the PK, Francis' first goal. If you look at that play again, he tries to do some crazy Richarlison bicycle kick to clear this ball that just was a simple over the top by some French midfielder. He whiffs. Now the French guys won on Emmy, won on no no one, you know, just the goalie. You got to feel for the Frenchman who missed that shot because the pictures of him alone with Martinez, if he just had a bit more composure, he could have just dinked it over the top. Emmy, who gets a lot of credit for being a really strong goalie, got the golden glove or, you know, whatever the goalies get. His actually save percentage was bad. He was very good at PK saves and he is a talented Fair. I mean, you could just say he, he reads people's hips and everything well when they take PKs. He just knows where they're going. He did not save a lot of, he did not make a lot of saves in games, uh, which was surprising. Um, but that one, uh, uh, massive. Just, he can't even describe how massive that save was. Uh, so kudos to him. Downside though, it's the biggest save he'll ever make. It goes back to Aston Villa. <laughs> It's like, all right, nice, you know, <laughs> saved a free kick because he teleported to the left side of the goal. Not a big deal. doesn't really mean much. Nope. So it can only go down from here for him. That took us to the PK shootout. And like you're suggesting, I see Emmy Martinez just did his thing. He kind of takes over. He's like a sportsman in that moment, like a LeBron James, where they know the camera's on them. And that's where he shined. It helped that Lloris was not, was the opposite of made for that moment, just because he himself had admitted he's not great at saving PKs, but Emmy Martinez just flips the the lever even higher and turns on the like asshole. I'm going to mess with you. We're going to do whatever we have to do to, to make you miss. And he, he owns it, which is good because it, it doesn't make you a fan. Like you don't, you don't love him for it unless you're Argentinian or you're a big fan of him, but he gets the job done and you gotta, you gotta respect that part of it. I suppose he saves one of them. Trumani misses one of them. Um, and ultimately, uh, France lose, what, 4-3? Uh, yeah, 4-2, four 4-2, two, four two, four two. because they missed the, both of those. To what you said earlier, Messi took the first PK. He didn't pull a Neymar, he didn't go last. He took the first PK, he buries it. That gives you a sense mm-hmm. of calm and confidence as a team. Yeah. And uh, in addition, Mbappe scores his third PK of the game, which uh, beating the same guy three times is, uh, I think, statistically... Quite, quite impressive yeah. in tournament play. Uh, I will add, I haven't heard anyone talk about this, but the poetic justice of Montiel to win, officially win the World Cup for Argentina after having given up the handball in over in extra time uh, that gave Kylian Mbappe his second penalty kick and then they score 3-3, I thought it was very fitting. And not going to lie, I was extremely nervous seeing him being the last person to take it. I was like, are you kidding me? He gave up the handball. Uh, but good for him. Clear his conscience. I heard Bill Simmons, an American podcaster, sports guy, runs his own network. He started a show by talking, one of his recent podcasts, by talking about this game and trying to find a comparison of any other sport, mainly an American sport, where the final competition, the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals, the World Series, any individual competition had a game where the two superstars on opposing teams played as well as Messi and Mbappe did, respectively. And he just couldn't. He just couldn't even come close because 
in in the soccer world to score two goals and your PK for Messi, to score three goals and your PK in the shootout for Mbappe, that's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. And these are quite obviously, you could you could argue Messi's a little older. He's not one of the top five guys in the world right now, if you want. But in this World Cup, he absolutely was. And Mbappe is quite clearly even a little better than him and and the best player in the world right now. And to see those two perform at such a high level in this game was just thrilling and something we may not see again, or, or at least Bill Simmons would argue we haven't seen yet in other sports. It's a really great call. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting to see Mbappe taking the mantle. Um, it, it feels like it's a great, uh, we were texting about this, a great villain arc now that he's been, you know, he's he's now lost what he had and could have been one of the youngest guys to have two World Cup finals under his belt and um, all of that. He's clearly on track to destroy the World Cup goal record mm-hmm. um, and be potentially the greatest World Cup player of all time. But um, but he, his his path has been laid out in front. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but there's a there was a tweet out today. So it's what you know. Four, five days after the World Cup final, four days. Uh, he's already back at PSG. He's already shown up and hitting the hitting the the training grounds because wow, he's he he he's got no time to relax. He needs to win. He needs <laughs> to get back out there. Yeah, he's a beast. He's an animal. Don't need to get into it here. We can do it another time. But when the goat discussions and people are starting to starting to chatter about Mbappe, um, he's got to leave league un to really be in the mix. Um, I think we we kind of agree on that. He's got to win Champions League also several times. <laughs> I mean, to look what CR7 and Messi have done at these clubs, it's insane to have resumes like these. And he's got he's to change something. It's exhausting to think that he has to win like probably seven <laughs> Ballon d'Ors before he's in the... He's has, he hasn't even gotten one? Oh, gosh. You know, it's 23. He's got a ways to go. It shows you just how incredible Messi and Ronaldo and and uh, the old Ronaldo and Maradona, some of their resumes are when it comes to individual accolades. I wanted to touch on the team piece for a sec because Messi's been here before when they lost to Germany in 2014, but it obviously took him five World Cups to win one. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, he's the best player in the world. Why did it take so long? Argentina as a team, this tournament, I don't know if they had the most star power they'd ever had, but they... You think of Aguero, you think, I guess, Di Maria was still here. Some of the bigger names they've had in past years, they didn't have all that, but some of these young guys came to play. Mm-hmm. Alvarez up top, the the Man City young young forward, he was the glue that held it all together for me. He played, he played better than Messi, I think, for what Argentina needed. Um, yes, they would not have won this without Messi. I'd argue they also wouldn't have won it without Alvarez because his work rate up top was so much what Messi needs as a... Uh, Robin to his Batman because he just works his ass off and does so much defensively and also scored four goals and also assisted a goal or two. Um, and then the midfield, DePaul, McAllister, Fernandez, some of these guys were just so good that I think it, it took a couple of other players, not necessarily massive stars. Yes, they're you know relative to us, they're massive stars. It took a couple of other players to do the dirty work, to be be resilient when Argentina Argentina struggled in some of these games and gave up leads to ultimately win himself his first World Cup. So props to them, the the unsung heroes, at least relative to Messi. Yeah, you need that. You need those surprise youngsters on the team to 
give you that X factor that you that teams weren't anticipating coming into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As the World Cup has finished, um, we have to take our American approach and rank the best of everything that we saw. And um, why not? Why not do a best uh, a best eleven that we saw from the entire tournament? Um, now, naturally, if we did the best eleven straight up, which we can allude to as we start to unveil our teams. Um, I think we'll find a lot of similarities, but something that might give us a little more variability is uh, a best our best starting 11s with uh, no nation repeats. Ooh. Because there are going to be a lot of players that you're going to be like, oh, I want to play them, but I can't because I already have another one of my other players in there. Um, we have all prepped for this. I'm feeling maybe we start from the back. We do goalies and back line and then reflect on that and move into the midfield and the, the forwards up top. Um, as you guys were working through this, did you, did you have any trouble putting it together? I, I did not, not from the country approach per se. Mostly I didn't want the same types of players on my team, like a very defensive minded midfield. I didn't want a Rodri and Tyler Adams on the field at the same time. Cause they do the same thing. Um, so that's where I was. I was a little stuck. I might have gotten more World Cup performance versus I'm gonna trot this starting eleven out for a game tomorrow against Boot and Boots FC. Oh, there's a there's a would lose. guarantee that my team would not perform well in league play. Like some of those stars would not work on the same <laughs> team. Absolutely off the pitch. I'm excited though. I love this was your idea, Jones, to go no more than one player per nation. It's a bit more thoughtful. It's a bit more interesting, possibly more unique. And hopefully we can, we can drop these on the Instagram as well with some fun, fun headshots. So let's get into it. Start, start at the back. Like you said, sort of from the back, um, as Icy likes to say. So in goal, I had, uh, Woshik as from Poland. I think, uh, there's some other goalies you guys might reference here. Um, Chesney, uh, had some huge saves, some huge PK saves that clearly, if anything, brought Poland into the next round, which you'd alluded to in the last episode, I see. Um, uh, and therefore I think has earned himself a top spot. It's also, I've got players from Argentina and Croatia uh, also in the starting lineup, which is holding me back from including, uh, either Emmy or Dominique, uh, Libakovic from, uh, from this, uh, lineup. Eli, what you got? I went I went a different path, mainly because of the one player per country. I had a couple other goalies. Chesney is a good shout. I was between him and this one goalie. I didn't go Ami Martinez because I needed a different Argentinian in there. I didn't go uh, Buno because I needed a different Moroccan in there. But I did go Shuichi Ganda, the Japanese keeper. They he he plays for Shimizu S Pulse in the Japanese league. So none of us have heard of him before this tournament. You may not have heard of him now until I just read him as my keeper of the tournament. They obviously we talked them about them beating Germany, beating Spain. He made a couple of key saves in those games. To Icy's point about save percentage, yes, Emmy Martinez was unreal in penalty kick shootouts, but. His save percentage was pretty poor. The Japanese team actually gave up a decent amount of shots, and Gonda made some huge saves. So I think he was a big reason why they were so sound defensively and went a bit further in this tournament than most people thought. I see what you got. 
You know, I went with, uh, I would say, the best goalkeeper of the tournament. <clears throat> Not Emi Martinez, but Livakovic for Croatia. Croatia finished third in the in the World Cup, which cannot go unnoticed or uncommented on. It's very impressive for this small country who finished second in the in the World Cup before. So they had a great a great tournament, great run. He never gave up more than one goal in a match, except for the shellacking by Argentina, um, and also came up massive in um, some PK shootouts. Love it. Um... I like that none of us went for the same keeper. I think this is encouraging, and we'll see. We'll Fun see start. Fun what, start. what happens as we move through the the defensive line. Um, Icy, uh, let's snake back your way and start with the right back. I'm very curious if this might be one of our few that they all match. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to match a lot because again, I was kind of thinking about this, but now that I read my team, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> I went with Serginio Dest. Uh, he was my USA kind of highlight for me besides Tyler Adams. Um, and I didn't want a USA midfielder per se on my team. Um, so I'm going with Serginio Dest. That he was impressive. A great shout. Love the early US inclusion. Makes me, makes us feel good. I went with Hakimi from Morocco. He, I think he had the most tackles, maybe top of the list for dribbles or near the top of the list for dribbles. He just did it all as a two-way player offensively for them defensively we talked about how how stingy they were and how few goals they gave up which got them all the way to the semifinals so Hakimi is my right back agreed seconded I I, I was really impressed with Hakimi uh I, I went into this tournament thinking that he was the best right back in the world and I left I left this tournament thinking he is 100% the best right back in the world he does it both defensively and offensively um his one-on-ones with with uh Mbappe were were mesmerizing he's He's a talent for the future, and we were fortunate to, to watch him. Then that comes to one of the center backs. If you're playing a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3, whichever you want to call it, um, one of my center backs, I was struggling because I would have loved to have included an Argentinian center back here or a French center back or a Moroccan center back, but a lot of those positions were taken up. So instead, um, I had to go with uh, Suter, from Argentina, uh, excuse me, from Australia. Harry Suda. Harry Suda, uh, with the British accent. Australian accent. <laughs> uh, the 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 giant of a man, the six foot six um, fella, uh, was a literal giant in the back for Australia and helped um, progress them through to the knockout round. Uh, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he were to make a move from Stoke uh, in the next summer transfer window. Uh, we shall see. He's young and he's wild and free. And by make a move, you mean reach out with his 152-inch wingspan and just touch another country. Exactly. I don't love this pick for my first center back. <laughs> I'm a bit stumped, so I may change after hearing your other options. I, I like it better than Suter, but not much. I went with Thiago Silva for Brazil because they were still pretty sound defensively. Yes, they they didn't go past the, the quarterfinals, but... He's just such a solid player. I would love to have him in my back line if this team were to play an actual game. He probably won't be as relevant next World Cup. He's getting getting a bit older. But I thought he was solid enough in a Brazilian back line that didn't let up too many goals. Totally agree. I see who you got. All right. Um, I went with, and I realized that uh, this is the one player I missed who uh, repeated countries. So um, so I'll jump to my other center midfield, center defense, which is Koulibaly. I thought Koulibaly played really well for Senegal. 
I thought he was clutch in their group stage and advancement um, reasons. Uh, so uh, Koulibaly is going to be one of my central defenders. Great shout. I didn't even think about Koulibaly, and I, I feel like I missed that. He had a really important goal uh, to help them qualify and uh, a monster performance for, for a guy who, who's only now seemingly getting his, his flowers as a, as a professional. So who's your other center back pairing? Originally had um, the masked man on Croatia, Vardy, Vardial. Uh, can't do that. So I'm actually going to go with a pick I, I really don't love because they didn't do very well in the tournament, but um, Rudiger is going to be mine. I don't actually like him very much as a – I think he's a head case. Um, I think he's solid. Did he show up in this tournament? No. Is this a bad pick? Yes, it is. So I'm still going Rudiger, but I'm salty about it. Other center back, I did save this slot for the Croatian Guardiol. He was just so good. His, his price tag has got to have increased 15 to 20%. After this tournament, just very composed for Croatia. He did get roasted and toasted by Messi on that one very nice Argentina goal to make it 3-0. But the rest of the tournament, he was super solid. Yeah, he was lights out. Has a great touch, a great ball playing center back. Lefty, and he's like 20 years old. Uh, the sky's the limit with this guy. And he wore a mask, which is just freaking cool. It was really you know? cool. So hard to beat that. Yes. Um, was that yours as well? Guardi- Guardiol is indeed also my other center back pick. Um, seemed like a, a mainstay on most uh, uh, best 11s of the tournament. Uh, I'll start us off with the left back. Uh, Would have liked to have picked a French guy for this one. I think he really stood out. But um, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't because I have another French guy elsewhere on the, on the field. Um, so I looked at other left backs and I didn't like any of them. They were either on teams that uh, I'd already picked or heavily prioritized over the position. Um, And so I decided to flip things around, and I'm sure left backs, when they're listening to this, are going to be really upset with me. But I decided to pull in uh, Denzel Dumfries from um, Holland. I thought he put up some insane offensive numbers. I thought he was uh, relatively pretty sound in the back. Um, and in turn has has a place in my team. He'd just be playing on the left side instead of the right side. That's really sweet. Thank you. And a good and a good choice on to, to boot. To me? Back yeah. to me. Left back. I'm going to the accent we were trying to do before, Australia, for Aziz Behich. Like Suter, he played a role in two shutouts, and he plays at Dundee United, so another guy who's Who's playing somewhere? In the, yeah, playing in a league we might not be paying enough attention to. Scotland. That Australia back line was just was just solid, and I needed someone from a team that wasn't Argentina, France, some of the other powerhouses that made it very far. So happy with my Behich pitch pick. Behich pitch. Jones, we actually had a, the same pick, Dumfries. Um, <clears throat> I yes, he's a right back um him and dest i think on my team could go either way on which side because either of them could slice in you might argue dest might be a better slicer with his quick feet into the uh center of the pitch but uh dest and dumfries are my whichever you want right or left back love it Uh, i love that we see eye to eye sounds like some sort of spy movie it didn't do great in theaters but Destin Dumfries is like the other guys. I could see those two starring in the other guys, but it'd be called Destin Dumfries. So that, that rounds out our back line and, and, and goal. 
Uh, let's crack into the midfield. Icy, did you set yourself up with three in the middle, four? How many How many are you working on? I've got three. Three midfielders. You want me to rapid fire? Uh, well, uh, Eli, how many do you have in yours? I also got three, as a matter of fact. I have three as well, which let's, is great. Yeah, let's, let's hear them all. So let's crack into, give me, give me your three, Icy. All right, Jude Bellingham for England. He was a star for England. Um, I thought he showed himself on the world stage very well, very talented. I did not think highly of him coming in. I think much more highly of him now. I went Amrabat from Morocco. He was my Moroccan to put on the team. He's an absolute workhorse. He'd be my defensive mid, just eating up everything. And third but not least, Bruno Fernandes was the man star of Portugal this tournament. Did everything for them. Um, I felt most sorry for him that they did not keep it going on in the tournament because he really deserved it. Love that take. Love that shout out. Uh, big United fan. Um, so that means a lot to me. Um, Eli, did you did you vary from this? Not much. Not much because great minds think alike, including you. If you're still listening, maybe you fell asleep to this. Maybe you were just like listening as a you know little nighttime routine. But great minds do think alike, and that included Icy and mine, which meant that Jude Bellingham, Bruno Fernandez, and my third. This was my American MVP, Tyler Adams. So that's that's the only difference there in my starting three midfielders. It's almost as if Eli's reading from my list, which he can read on my screen, that has Bruno Fernandez, Jude Bellingham, and, and Tyler Adams. I didn't there. notice that. Wow. So uh-huh. we really didn't. We, we, we differed in the back. At least our full teams aren't the same. But the uh-huh. midfields, we just felt strongly about yeah. it. Uh, wow. it, it, it. It seemed like Adams played out of his skin. There might be a little favoritism. There might be a little uh, Americana thing going on. But... Um, I, when you do look at the positions, you know, you would have loved to have put Enzo as, uh, mm-hmm. you know, potentially in place of Adams or Amrabat, um, potentially even maybe a Casemiro or, uh, Unahi or a Griezmann, but end of the day, there are other positions in the front line that might, uh, negate that possibility. You just imagine that Tyler Adams and Jude Bellingham are, could become buddies. If they played a couple games together, especially full season, Bruno Fernandes, like neither of them speak Portuguese. I would imagine they don't. So that that would be an interesting dynamic between those three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, very curious. Doesn't seem sustainable, but really good team. <laughs> all right, so let's do a front. We all had a front three, so I'll kick us off with a front three. Um, I picked this little guy from Argentina. His name's Messi. I picked him. I picked Mbop. Uh, kids bop and bop and then, um, and then the question was, who, who are you going to marry with Messi and Mbappe? Uh, I figured each of them would be on the wings. So my striker up top, I went with Richarlison. I felt like he was an unsung hero of this tournament, largely because Brazil crashed out and, uh, and, and he deserves uh, his flowers. So he's making officially into my final 11. That's beautiful. I, to no one's surprise, also went Messi, kids and bop which I'm going to start using from now on. And I saved my Netherlands slot so I could go Mr. Cody Gakpo, someone that we were talking about mm. just before we started recording this episode. He's getting a lot of a lot of scouting, a lot of hype right now, possibly United, possibly other teams. But undoubtedly, he scored in each of the Netherlands group stage games and is just a very exciting youngster to watch going forward. That is a great shout. I should have. Yeah, I wasn't I gonna. I wasn't gonna embarrass you guys on live TV, but you, you effed <laughs> up. I really did. I shouldn't have. I should. Ugh. Dump freeze over and no, nah, you can't. You got to do Gakpo. Oh, that's tough. I see. Yeah, that's a great, great. Pick. 
what did you also fail to to to, to put in his place? All right, so we've got Messi, Roxop, Mbappe, and the third pick. I went with Rafinha. Um, I thought Rafinha. It's. I'm sad he left the prem. I'm sad he left Leeds. He is so dynamic and his left foot magic. So I would pair them. He's on the left and Mbappe on the right. Uh, Messi in the middle. He is just such a threat on the left side. He's a, he's great with his left foot. He's just a better, faster Di Maria um, at this point, I think. Um, and uh, he for me would be in my starting lineup. Great player. Do you guys have any? So great shout. Um, I feel like I feel like uh, all of our teams would play each other um, pretty pretty competitively. Um, and, uh, it would really come down to, uh, if Messi's playing well, I think that's, that's kind of how it, it boiled down. Uh, were there any shout outs that you guys, any, any players that you would have liked to have, uh, included or, or they made it into your second team and, um, and, and they, they also deserve a little love, although they couldn't have made it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a, a couple samples to chew on. I thought uh, Kudus uh, had a had an incredible tournament. Um, I thought Saka uh, from from England also deserves a little love. Uh, Unahi, I see you were hyping up Unahi a ton from uh, from Morocco and his kind of midfield maestro play. Uh, Musiala, Griezmann, obviously was was a beast, uh, but he plays on the same team as Mbappe, but. Uh, Musiala, I thought was uh, was incredible, and um, I, I, I keep going through a bunch. But the other I'd say is Juranovic from um, Croatia. I really thought he had a quiet but impressive game uh, tournament at right back, um, and is someone I would have would have given some love to if if it really made sense. But Hakimi dominated. Any other players out there that you guys loved and would have loved to have included in your team? Argentina and France led the list of my saddest omissions. Alvarez, who I was talking about earlier, just I, th- I thought he was the best player in Argentina, you know, aside from Messi or maybe up there with Messi. Griezmann tied for the most chances created, I believe, with Messi, which flew under the radar, perhaps. Enzo Fernandez in the middle, Argentinian, Varane, Frenchman, Theo, Theo Hernandez, Frenchman, and then Modric, maybe a sympathy play or less sympathy, more emotionally based, but I thought Guardiola was just too good at center back to leave him out. And then Bunu. Uh, the Moroccan keeper, who was awesome in that penalty kick shootout against Spain, saved all three penalties um, and and was a, a key piece of their run as well. I don't have very many to add. You guys um, definitely shouted out some of the, the, the top performers, I thought, of the tournament. Um, thank you, Jones, for reminding me of the Moroccan, number eight, whose name I can't pronounce and the the young german guy who's also number i shouted out and you're like you're an idiot max this kid this kid's been on radars the one player i would add uh mcallister i was just very impressed with him i I do give credit and i do give some bias to prem players he's on brighton i never thought much of him he he very much showed up and was very consistent very much did 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 the dirty work i mean i don't don't know if he uh, did he score he probably should have scored a couple times, but he had an assist to Di Maria in the final. Um, that was a beautifully weighted pass. He just did what he had to do. So shout out to McAllister. This was truly a tournament that saw the the culmination, mainly positive, somewhat negative, for some of these older legends that have been around the game forever. Messi, Modric, both probably exiting with their held, head held high. 
Ronaldo, not so much. More more tumultuous from him. He didn't even end up starting in some of his last, potentially last World Cup games for Portugal. Maybe not. Um, but it felt like they were ushering in a, a younger generation of Gakpos and Tuchemenis and um, help me out. Some other young, young studs. Yeah, Gavi, some of the Spanish midfielders, you know, some of the young Americans we talked about, that next World Cup will be the stars in addition to the best in the world right now, Neymar and Mbappe. A big one that we we didn't talk about, and maybe he'll have a renaissance, uh, not a renaissance, but but maybe a little bit more of a profound um, tournament next year. Oh, gosh, next four we, years we from wish. now. <laughs> uh, would be Alfonso Davies, you know, a guy that yeah. you wanted to put in your left back spot, but he didn't really play it and didn't really do a ton. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to come. I think the the next World Cup is going to be super exciting. Um, and maybe in our next podcast, maybe what we should do from every podcast from here on out is predict the best <laughs> eleven from the next World Cup. So so next the next next pod we'll do. Uh, 2030 and then we'll predict 2034 and then and then by the time that we get to the world cup and we're doing the preview for the world cup we'll have already previewed well we've predicted the best 11 for several world cups for people who do not exist and that's where that's where we we lose a lot of listen listeners. That's a great idea. <laughs> what do you think about that? I see. Are you in with the future of our podcast? I'm sold. Sign me up. Thanks for listening. This has been an exciting review of the World Cup and one that I hope us three will listen to in the future and remember at least glimpses of just how exciting of a time this was in the world of football and how we shared it with each other. Because that's that's the most beautiful game of all. Mm. Bringing people together. There you go. We'll we'll see you. We'll see you when we see you. Maybe next World Cup. Maybe in 2032. Who knows? Yeah. 20, 20, uh, 34? 34. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna cut that out. I'm not gonna end this one on a <laughs> on an error after an hour and a half. Yeah. See you in 2092. <laughs> give me freedom. Give me fire. Give me reason. Take me higher. Champions take the field now.